Amen. Have a seat. Welcome here today. The ushers will come take the offering. So if you're visiting, your gift to us is just to hang on to that connection card, go through after to the lobby, and we'd love to give you a gift and thank you for coming. It's an honor to be here and share with you a little bit today. Pastor Ken's at the other campus, and I, so I get to come here and share with you, and it's great um, to do that today and to talk and share a little bit um, about the heart and the love that God has. God loves lots of things. We can't talk about them all in just a few weeks, and we can't talk about them all today, um, but we are going to talk about one thing that, that, that Jesus loves. I don't know about you, but I've lost my keys. Not right now, I know where they are. I've lost my wallet, but not right now, I know where it is. You know, I've, um, I've lost my car, because uh, I parked it and I couldn't quite remember where, and uh, so I just walked up and down until I saw it, and um, you know, I'd parked it without my wife, Esther, and she's like, are you really serious? You have, you, you lost the car? And I'm like, well, no, it's here somewhere. I just don't know where, but I will. When I drive, I get lost a lot. I've lost all four of my kids individually at one point, and sometimes in groups, um, but I've always found them. But it's really different losing those kind of things than when a doctor walks out and looks at you and says, we lost them. That's different, right? Or we say, that person, they were lost at sea. There's something eternal about that, like it's a lostness that is, results in death. And that's what we're going to look at today, is that kind of lostness. Matthew says it this way in his gospel, in verse 18, Jesus came and told his disciples, I've been given all authority in heaven and on earth. And like, the Bible's pretty precise with words like all. So it's not like I got all authority except here. No, no, no, all authority in heaven and on earth, just to be clear, in the universe. And that authority came at the cross when Jesus died and rose again in power. When he died, he defeated the power of sin and he defeated the power of the devil. It destroyed. And when he rose again, he defeated the power of death. So he has all authority in heaven and on earth. And he, because he has all authority, he says, do what? Therefore, go. In that authority, he's sending you out on mission. And do what? Make disciples. That is other followers of Jesus. A disciple is a follower of a master. Make disciples of who? All the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Baptizing them. So um, even as they talked about baptism this morning, if you're here and you're out of junior high and you're a disciple, a follower of Jesus, um, you, you should get baptized. And if you haven't, then it's perfect because there's one coming up. And, and you should talk to Greg, uh, or you should talk to Tim, or you should talk to someone and say, you know what, I want to get baptized. Because what happens when you get baptized in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit? You're saying yes to God, because the next part is teach these disciples to obey most of the commandments I've given you. Oh, no, it doesn't say that. It actually says that all word again. Teach them to obey all the commands I've given you. And... One of the commands that happened just before this is making disciples and then baptizing them. All the commands I've given you, and they're com contained in, in the Bible, in God's word. And then the really, really, really good news about this coming out of salvation and the fact that the gift of the Father is Jesus. Be sure of this, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. That Jesus is always with us. 
We teach people the love of God, that God is always here, that his presence is here, that his power is here, that as we obey his commands, it's actually protective and it watches over us and it gives us the full, rich and abundant life that God promises. There's life in the protection of obeying the word of the Lord. So the lost, in this command to go, we're to make disciples of all the nations. We're really to go and find the lost because see, Jesus came to seek and to save the lost. That's what he came to do. Like, that's his mission, right? He's on a mission to do what? To, to seek out and to save lost people. It says it this way in Luke 19. <clears throat> for the son of man, that's, that's kind of Jesus' you know, code name for himself. For the son of man came to seek and save those who are lost. Eternally lost. Like, like spiritually lost. Lost in the sense that they're, they're dead and they're apart from God. That kind of lost. Revelation chapter 7 verse 9 says it this way. And I saw a vast crowd. That's a huge crowd, a vast crowd. Like when the Bible talks about vast crowds, and this is in heaven, when you see that kind of crowd, this is a lot of people. I see a vast crowd, too great to count. That's a lot of people. From every what? Nation, tribe, people, and language. Standing in front of the throne and before the Lamb. The Lamb is Jesus. Jesus, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Jesus, the Lamb of God who died for us. This vast crowd is there from every nation, tribe, people, and language. There's 6,500 people groups or languages that have never heard the name of Jesus. That's like roughly 2 billion people. 40% of the population of the earth doesn't know that Jesus exists. Somebody said to me, well, why don't they just download the Bible on their smartphone? They don't have smartphones. They don't have phones, some of them. But they wouldn't even know to download the Bible because they've never heard the name of Jesus. They're lost and they don't even know it. They're heading into death and they don't even know it. Which is why Jesus said, I'm sending you to go, what? To all the nations. 150,000 people die every day. 45,000 people die every day and have never heard the name of Jesus. Out of this 6,500 people groups. That's why, you know, it says that Jesus came to seek and to save the lost. There's no Christian friend. There's no church. There's no good news of Jesus. There's nothing. And people are desperately in need of being found. They're desperately in need. They're desperately lost. Luke 15, 24 explains it a little bit uh, better for us too. It says, for this son of mine, this is a father talking about a son. Jesus is telling this as about the father in heaven and us as his sons and daughters. So there's a son of mine was dead and has now returned to life, but not physically dead, spiritually dead. Why? Because they were lost, dead and lost. He's creating a parallel there. They were lost and have been found. So we need to go from death to life, lostness to foundness, and then parties begin. Man, we want to party with the angels in heaven by the dead coming to life and the lost being found. And there's a desperation for people to be found. Ephesians chapter 2 says it this way, for God is so rich in mercy, and mercy is when you don't get what you deserve. Our sin, the payment, the wages for our sin is death. But in the mercy of God, 
Jesus died in our place and paid the penalty for our sin. And so God is so rich in mercy and he loves us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, spiritually dead, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. It's only by God's grace, if mercy's not getting what you deserve, grace is getting what you don't deserve. And by his grace, what did we receive? Forgiveness of our sins and eternal life that only comes in Jesus. And we can be saved. Saved from what? Saved from death. Saved from lostness. That's the promise. It's the good news. We're unresponsive. Lying there. But that's why Jesus came. He came to give us life that we could be saved. But the truth is, the lost are, uh, are really hard to find. You know what I mean? Like, there's this two billion of them in particular. They're in places where it's, it's really, really hard, almost impossible to get visas. And if you get it, it's really easy to lose. It's the kind of place where it's hard to get into. Inhospitable deserts, high mountains, jungle areas, and then just cities where you just can't get in and roof and roam freely. They're hard to find. They're, they're hidden behind so many things. Here's a photo. This is my daughter. And uh, these two girls said to her, can, can we take a picture with you? The, the girl, particularly on the left, that's the only thing you see is her eyes. Um, she's wearing long gloves. She's wearing everything. You don't see anything but her eyes. Some of them have even a covering over their eyes that they can see through like a mesh. And I mean, it's blistering hot where we are. Right? Who, who's going to tell her about Jesus? She's lost. She's dead. She needs Jesus. Both of those girls need Jesus. Who's going to tell them about Jesus? They're lost. But you and I have family. We have friends. We have coworkers. We have people we go to school with. We have people all around us, neighbors, who are lost, who are dead, who need life and who need to be found. But man, they're, they're hard to access sometimes, right? Next photo. That girl, um, she wanted to get baptized. And, uh, you know, we think about baptism, and you may be thinking, you know, I really would love to get baptized. But, you know, you got to get up and talk, and you got to say something. And, and I, I don't think I'm willing to do that. So this girl desperately wanted to get baptized because she said yes to Jesus. She's in one of those countries where you can't declare that you're a Christian, and, uh, and there, you know, the churches are underground, which means they're hidden, which means they meet in small groups, which means they don't invite people unless they're really careful because they could get arrested. They can go to jail. Bad things happen. So we're there, and we're filling that up, that little tub with, uh, with a hose. We took off a vacuum and ran from the sink into that thing. So just enough water to get her wet, and the other people that got baptized as well. And she says to us the night before as we're kind of praying and we're gathered together and, and through the interpreters and everything, she says, you know what, um, just pray for me. I'm going to go home and I'm going to tell my dad and my oldest brother that I'm going to get baptized tomorrow. And she says, just pray they say yes and let me come. So we were all excited the next morning when she showed up. It was awesome. And she got baptized. And then she went home to her family after the big lunch and the celebration. And her dad opened the door and said, I don't know you. You're dead to me. You're never welcome here again. And that was it. And she's never been back to her family. There's a cost to pay to go from death to life sometimes, right? From lostness to being found. 
just jump back to that video really quick. This is a video from our guy in Turkey saying thank you to you. Merhaba kardeşler, hepinizi Gazi Mahallesi'nden esenlik olsun. Hi brothers and sisters, uh, peace be upon you from Gazi district in Istanbul. İstanbul Avrupa Yakası'ndayız, yeni kilisemizin açılışında ve hazırlığındayız şu anda. We are in the European side of Istanbul at the preparation of the new church building. Rabbiler ise haftaya cumartesi günü 25 Ocak'ta kilisemizin resmi açılışı olacak. God willing, we, are, we will be able to open this church on the 25th of January next week on Saturday, God willing. Birçok misafirimiz, birçok kilise önderi gelecek ve kilisemizi bereketleyecek Rabbin lütfuyla. Our visitors will come, and other guests, and the leaders of the other church will come, and there will be a big crowd here. Tüm desteğiniz ve tüm duanız için çok teşekkür ediyoruz, çok minnettarız size. We thank you so much for your uh, all, all the support that you provided, all the uh, spiritual and the financial support. Ve bu karanlık yerde kilisenin olmadığı yerde ışığı yapıyoruz Rabbin lütfuyla. In this district of Istanbul of 500,000 people, there is no church, and this will be the light in this in this district. O yüzden sizi seviyoruz, bizi unutmayın. Birçok yerde daha kilise açmak istiyoruz. Duanız ve desteğinizi devam edin lütfen. We love you and please continue supporting us and we thank you for all your support and please continue praying for us. We need your prayers. Thank you brothers. Rabbimiz bol bol bereketlesin. Allah'a ısmarladık. Blessings. Thank you very much. So they had their first service yesterday, last night. 85 people came. And on average, they're expecting about 20. Um, but a lot of visitors came and people came. And this is, like he said, this is in, in Istanbul. And in this section there, there's 500,000 people. And there's no church. There's no witness for Jesus. People don't have Christian friends. And this group has come to faith. And he's sending that video to say thank you for you for funding what happened there. That this church, though... They're doing it above ground. They've got a sign out front. They're inviting people to come. They had a dedication. And they're like, you know what? We're just going to stand up and do this. Now, Istanbul's different than some of the other places further away, like outside, that are way, way, way, way more conservative than the capital. But it's a bold stand for Jesus. It's a bold stand for Jesus. In our, in our county, in Fresno County, there's roughly a million people, and it's about 13.5% are evangelical Christians, so about 135,000 people are in church on a weekend. Okay? If we took the percentage of Christians in, in Turkey and put it into our million people here, in a million people here, there'd be 68 followers of Jesus. That's it. So when they get up and do that, and, and they've got 20 people coming, and this is the third one that you've helped happen above ground in Turkey. Second one in Istanbul. It's, it's a miracle. One more picture, I think, is left. That's a city up in the north, and uh, hard to reach, hard to get a visa, hard to get there. We, we, we all of us together, helped three couples move there. Live there, learn the language, begin to engage in a place where there's no known Christians. It's a huge city, it's a university town. There's so many things about it. And they got visas and they were there. And the, one of the first times that the first time they were there, I'm there with the guy leading, the two of us are there checking out the city. And, uh, you know, you drink Turkish coffee, you gotta let it settle so the mud goes to the bottom. And, uh, you know, we're drinking this coffee and doing everything. Well, we, you know, you got to go to the bathroom. So we're standing there and we broke the bro code. And as we're standing at the urinal and we were talking, and we had a space between us, so it wasn't weird, but, but we're talking. And a guy there 
looks over and goes, oh, you guys speak English. What are you doing here? And I'm thinking, how does someone speak English here in the middle of stinking nowhere? So at that moment, you get a choice. Do you speak the language of Mordor and lie? Or do you tell the truth? Jesus doesn't lie. And he doesn't want us to ever lie. So we just looked at him and said, we're here to tell people the good news of Jesus. And then you wait to see what happens. And he says, oh, I'd like to know about that first guy that they end up having contact with that ends up joining their group. But then they got kicked out. They're no longer there. Somebody's got to go, right? But the challenge to our going is really, really simple. Not just are they hard to find, but fear will keep us from reaching the lost. Fear keeps us from going. People are unresponsive. They're in desperate need, but there's incredible danger when we go. There's incredible danger. You know, uh, every 24 hours, 480 people somewhere in the world die for Jesus. 480 every day die. 480 every day, every 24 hours, 480. That means while we're sitting in here and hearing about the, the going and the good news and death to life, 20 people have laid their lives down for Jesus. 20 people have died. So a couple other pictures. That's just outside of the war zone in, in Ukraine. And you know, often what happens, and the next photo, uh, I went in with my, my son-in-law because us as a group um, bought some vans and, uh, to bring in food and relief. And while people are running one direction, the church marches in. While people are running away, the church marches in. Right? So the first guy, he's just like us. He says, I just give me a gun and I'm going to go fight. These are real... So he's not a real soldier. He's a normal guy. Those are real soldiers. Can you tell the difference? We gave Bibles to them all and told them about Jesus. The first guy, someone gave me the picture of it and I put it in my office and what they wrote was, I'm so glad you gave him a Bible and told him about Jesus because he's probably dead now. And at least he had a chance. And I'm like, it's so true. But those are real guys, real soldiers. And at the sound of the first bomb dropping, the first difficulty, the first problem, so many times people that are there to speak the good news of Jesus turn around and run the other way. But we're not those people, are we? When people are running one direction, the Christians run in to the midst of disaster, conflict, problems, and danger and say, we're going to declare the good news of Jesus in the midst of this. We are the most powerful country in the world, and we send people all over the world to do what? Bring peace. Right? And some of those people die. And we say they paid the ultimate price. They laid their lives down and sacrificed for a greater thing than themselves. So as the church and as followers of Jesus, as the army of God, we rush in when people run away. And sometimes people pay the ultimate price and the ultimate sacrifice for the king. To tell people the good news that will take them from death to life, darkness to light, lostness to foundness. We will not run the other way. And we will help, encourage, stand with, and fund, fund people to run into the jaws of hell for the sake of people that don't yet know Jesus. Thank you for being those people. Thank you for saying that's a great thing and a good idea. Do you know what the point of fear is? It's to silence you. 
It's not even to take your life. It's to stop you from sharing the good news of who Jesus is. This last photo is my, my favorite baptism photo. Okay, two, second, I have two favorites. This is one of the two. That old lady in Myanmar gave her life to Jesus, and people had been baptized. They were getting baptized in like creeks and holes and rivers and all these things away from all the people that could end up persecuting them, arresting them for saying yes to Jesus. And you know what she said? Right here, right now. Right now. And they're like, aren't you worried that something's going to happen? She goes, look at me. I'm so old. The worst thing that will happen is I go meet Jesus, and that would be great. She's like the epicenter, the first one, ground zero of people standing up and saying, I'm going to name the name of Jesus. I'm not going to let fear silence me, which is why I feel really comfortable saying, if you haven't been baptized, you should be. Don't let fear silence you. It is not from the Lord. The devil wants to take your voice from your friends and family and coworkers and fellow students and neighbors and everyone else, and we're going to say no because we're going to go. But we're also going to give towards it. It costs to do this, right? Like, I don't want these people all over the world having to pray that God will provide something for them so they can do that work because most of us are not going to get up and move to those places, right? but we can help them do their work, right? So this is a rare moment. For this example, I actually have money in my wallet. And I have $1,000. And, you know, the, the reality is money's really important to us because we work really hard to get it, and we want to keep it, and we want to control it, and all those things. Um, the average, average follower of Jesus uh, in America for every $1,000 that they earn they give 1.8% to the church. So just for round numbers, 20 bucks, okay? They give 20 bucks. Now, you, you, you want to obey all the teachings and commands of the Bible, so you know, you're the exception to the rule, and you understand that when it talks about tithing, it talks about giving a tenth. So if you make $1,000, you give $100. So God bless you for being obedient to the scripture, putting yourself in a place where you live under the open heaven, and God can bless you. Now, if you give 20 bucks, which is average in America, and there's people that do these stats, it's not me. Um, out of that, 20 bucks, 10 cents goes to reach people around the world. So that's not a lot. It's 10 cents. Out of that 10 cents, one penny goes to reach people that have no access to the gospel, those two billion people. So for every thousand dollars that's made, for most people, one penny is going to reach people around the world that don't have access to the gospel, and 10 cents is going to reach people that don't yet know Jesus. Now at Mountain View, it's a little bit different. I need another... God bless you out of every hundred that you give, because we tithe, $34 goes to reach people in mission. $34 in, goes. Instead of, out of the thousand you make, $34, hundred is given, 34 of that goes instead of 10 cents, $34. So God bless you for that. That's a gift to the world. So a third. And out of that $34, $11.56 goes to reach people that don't 
have any access to the good news of Jesus instead of one penny. So I'm here today to say thank you, to say God bless you for caring about our world and people that are lost that need to be found, that are dead and need to come alive. God bless you for what you're doing. That's a gift that you're giving to people. So we go, we give, we pray, we invite people in, and we proclaim with our mouths. We speak the good news. We tell people. It's reported that St. Francis of Assisi said that I preach the gospel with my life and my actions and I use words if necessary. And I just want us to be abundantly clear. I don't think there's one hope that he actually said that. This is a guy who marched into Jerusalem when it fell and preached the gospel to the conquering sultan. He preached to animals and birds forevermore. He's like, I'm telling everybody the good news. There was a, a, a missionary, an asset that moved to China and said, I'm going to be like St. Francis of Assisi. True story. I'm not making this up. True story. And he said, I'm, I'm going to live a great life and people are going to ask me and then I'm going to tell them about Jesus. Now, I want to be clear. Jesus lived a perfect life and he used words. If you don't use words, what you do is open to interpretation, right? Five years, true story, five years he's in China, suffering through everything. And finally, the first person says to him, I got something to ask you. We need to meet in secret. This is really, really important. Like, I got to ask you this question. He's like, finally, five years, it's worked. They meet in secret. And the guy looks at him and says, okay, this is critical. I got to ask you this question. True story. Are you a vegetarian? And I'm like, five years? Wouldn't it have been better to open your mouth in the first month and get kicked out and have told 20 people the good news of Jesus? Come on now. You got to use words. You got to proclaim. Fear seeks to shut you up. And we're going to say no. And apathy seeks to grab us. John 3, 16. The worship team can come on up. John 3, 16. This is, this is awesome for us, right? I love this verse. For this is how... This is how, this is an explanation verse. This is how God, who? God. This is how God, who? God. This is how God, this is how God. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. This is God the Father. This is how God, God did what? This is how God loved, loved. This is how God loved. This is how God showed his love. This is how God demonstrated his love. This is how God shouted and spoke his love. This is how God loved what? The world. You're part of the world. What did God love? He loved the world. This is how God, God Yahweh, God in heaven, God the creator, this is how God loved what? The world he created. This is how God loved the world. He gave. What did he do? He gave. What did he give? He gave his son. This is how God loved. What did he love? He loved the world. How did he love the world? He gave. What did God do? He gave. What did he give? He gave his one and only son. Not one of his sons, not a couple of his sons. He gave his one and only son. This is how God loved the world. He gave what? His only son. This is how God loved the world. He gave his only son. He gave his only son so that everyone, not a few people, not a couple, how everyone. This is how God, who loved the world, he gave his only son so that everyone who does what? Believes in him. What does it mean to believe? Believe that Jesus came, that he laid his life down for you. He died in your place. He paid the penalty for your sin. The wages of your sin was death, and Jesus died for you. Because this is how God loved the world. He gave his only son. Son, 
So that everyone who believes in him will do what? Not perish. Not perish eternally. Not be lost eternally. Not be dead eternally. Not be in darkness eternally. This is how God loved the world. He gave his only, one and only, his one and only son, so that everyone who believes in him will not perish, but have what? Eternal life. Eternal life. And we're going to march behind the banner of Jesus to proclaim eternal life. That's our mandate. That's what we pray into. That's what we give towards. Because lost people need to be found. And there's a moment when we were found. We literally went from death to life. Darkness to light. Lostness to foundness. Let's stand.